All right, please take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 1. We'll be going to chapter number 24, of course, to study our scriptures there about the resurrection of our Lord. But I want to start in chapter number 1 this morning. Uh, Luke's motive for this book of the gospel is clearly stated in chapter uh, number uh, 1. And I believe this morning in a day of so much fake news and lies and outright deceit and manipulation, how refreshing it is to have a word of certainty. And in chapter number 1, I'd like for you to see what I mean by that. As Luke is writing, he starts off his book, with this comment to his friend. He said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they, talking about the apostle, delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, From the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now let's go to Luke chapter number 24, and let's look at some of the things that he wrote to us that are of a certainty. In Luke chapter number 24, after recording... The lineage, the life and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wraps it up and gives us this wonderful chapter, chapter number 24 with 53 verses. Three separate conversations after the resurrection of our blessed Lord. He gives us the conversation of the angels to the faithful women who then run and go and tell the apostles. And then we find here in chapter number 24... The second conversation uh, that he records after the resurrection of our Lord. And actually these will be the first words that we find coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection according to Luke. And you'll notice he says here in verse number 13. And by the way, this is, this is what we call the road to Emmaus. Uh, some preachers have entitled this message from heartache uh, to heartburn. And you'll see why a little bit later in the passage. Some have called it a Sunday stroll that turns into Sunday school. And it does as they are on their journey. Now, the Bible says that this journey took them about seven miles away from where they were. And so I took my maps out. I said, okay, let's measure that. But if we were to start walking now, where would we wind up? And from here, from the church here, it would be just about uh, Walmart and Porter our Home Depot in Porter. If we were to start walking, that's the direction these guys, they didn't think very much about walking in this in those days. What else were they going to do? And so they uh, hit the trail. Uh, didn't think anything about walking about seven miles to get to their destination. And so they've got about two hours. You think you can get to Walmart from here walking in about two hours? Maybe two and a half? Maybe a day and a half? <laughs> And let's look at this in verse number 13. All right. Wonderful passage of scripture. Oh man, I wished a thousand times. I wish I could hear this conversation that took place on this journey on a, on a video or on an audio. If I could just hear it, man, it would be awesome. 
But let's read and let's study it together. Verse 13. It says, And behold, two of them went that same day, talking about again on Sunday, on the resurrection day, on that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, about seven, seven and a half miles. And they walked together, excuse me, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? You say, I, I don't understand why Jesus would, would, would do this. Well, I think you would call this the proper use of subtlety. Proverbs chapter 1 says that the wisdom of God, one of the reasons for the book of Proverbs being written, and the reason for the wisdom of God being given to a young man, is to teach him subtlety. Now, subtlety is not always evil. Now, the serpent took it and used it for evil, but it can be used for good. You know how you like to probe and ask somebody some questions so that you can see what's in their heart when you already know what the answers are, but you want them to be honest? You want, you want it to come to the surface? You don't reveal everything that you know. You're not trying to deceive them. You're trying to get them to see some things and to get, the, the, get it out in the open. And so that's, that's the wise way to do this, the godly way to do it. And so Jesus says, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted. And I believe when you hear this, I, I believe you hear a hurt. I believe you hear a pain. I believe you hear a sadness, a grieving. It says, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, when, which, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then said he unto them, O fools! And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where, whither they went and, 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 and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Do you believe that? I believe that. Luke wrote, Luke 
wrote at the very beginning of his book, he said, so that you might know the certainty of these things. We'll talk a little bit in another message about the unusual facts of a resurrected body that Jesus had, that we also will have one very much like that. But the scripture says that he disappeared out of their sight. Verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? See, they started out with heartache and now they got heartburn. Amen. The right kind. He said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Let's stop right there. Let's examine this a little bit. I think the Lord will give us some practical help today from this path. I enjoy just reading it. My imagination goes wild when I think about what happened with these men and the Lord Jesus. Man, I would have loved to have heard that sermon that he gave them. But you know, he's given us the holy book, the holy Bible. He's given us the Holy Spirit and men of God to help us to understand. And let's pray. Father, would you bless thy servant? Lord, a man can only give that which he has received. And so, Lord, I can only give them what you've given me. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use me today to minister to their hearts. And maybe somewhere along the line, that as we study this event, that, that Lord, that as they prayed before they came today and said, Lord, would you speak to my heart? I pray today you would. And I pray, Lord, that they as we study the scriptures, that their hearts would burn, that you would touch them and use the word of God to minister to them. And we'll give you the glory, for it is all deserving to you. And we thank you for Jesus most of all. In his name we pray. Amen. Now quickly, I want you to look at some things here with me. Look with me in verse number 13. Let's begin there. I'm going to ask you to notice some things that are going on here in this journey. First of all, in verse 13, I want you to notice their direction. They had just left the 11 to head to Emmaus. Now I want to ask you, why would they do that? Had they not just heard, the women came and told them that they had been to the empty tomb, to the tomb, and there they saw the vision of angels, heard the message that he was alive. And then Peter ran down there, and sure enough, the tomb was empty, and his clothes were folded neatly there inside the tomb, and he came back and confirmed that to them. And instead of them going in the direction of where the tomb was, they're heading in the opposite direction of the news that they have just been told. And so, why in the world would they be walking in the opposite direction of the news that they had just been told? I think I'd have been excited. I think I'd have wanted to go and check it out myself. All right, notice the second thing. Notice their uh, their discussion that they're having and their discouragement. Because you'll notice in verse number 14, it makes it very clear 
here that they are having a conversation. They're walking together. They're talking together. What a blessing it must be to have a good friend to be able to walk together and to be able to talk to that individual and to share your honest heart and opinion with them about the events that have occurred. Because sometimes we, when we're around a brother that believes and sometimes we, we almost pretend to believe more than we really do or we tend to say some things that we really don't practice because we like to impress some folks. But these two guys are being, I think, honest and open with each other. And notice there, the, Jesus said, why is your countenance so sad? Why are you uh, so uh, discouraged? And so there, that's what verse number 15 says. It says, and it came to pass while they communed together, he drew near to them and he asked them about these things. So what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about the events that have just occurred over the past two or three days. And there's been a lot happened over the last three or four days. They have observed, and they admit this a little bit later, what they're talking about. They had admitted that they had saw their leadership, both religiously and politically, take the Lord Jesus Christ and go through a mock trial and then crucify Him and and kill him. And they were disappointed in this because they admitted that they had hoped and they had believed that this Jesus of Nazareth was the prophet and the Messiah and that he would redeem Israel. These were their thoughts and their attention. So their hope had been dashed against the rocks, you might say. They had obviously committed much to this man and believing that he would lead them and would one day overthrow the yoke of Rome off of Israel and set up the kingdom again. And man, they were excited about it. They said, hey, this guy, you should have heard him speak. And you should have seen some of the miracles that he performed. Because he mentions his words and his deeds. And so they're talking about these things to this, quote, stranger. So these are the things that they are discussing, but they are very sad in their countenance. And I think if you were walking with them, you would hear them the disappointment in their voices as they were telling this stranger this. And they also asked him the question, Hey man, where in the world have you been? This thing was not done in a corner. Everybody knows what has gone on here in Jerusalem the last few days. A great upheaval has taken place. So here we see this in this passage. Then you'll notice something else. Look in verse 15 and verse 16 and notice their discernment. Or should I say the lack thereof? Should I say their lack of perception? It was withheld from them. And listen, by the way, when you're able to see things and able to understand things, able to perceive things, you need to thank God that you can see some things that other people do not see. And by the way, that does not come of your own strength. That comes from the Lord of when He opens your eyes. You're not going to see some things until he does give you that perception. Now notice what happens here. Look in verse chapter 24, verse 15. It came to pass while they communed together. And reason, Jesus himself drew near. And yet they did not perceive that Jesus was in their midst. I wonder, does our unbelief hinder our discernment? 
I wonder, does our unbelief and our doubt hinder our perception? Even when the Lord is close to us, we're not able to discern His presence. We're not able to perceive how close that He really is because of our unbelief. And because, and by the way, if you're full of doubt, it could be that the Lord won't let you see some things until you change your attitude and your spirit about some of those things. It was withheld from them, the Bible says. You know, could the Lord be nearer than what we think He is even right now? You say, well, I can't feel Him and I can't see Him. Well, that's because sometimes the Lord wants you to believe before you see Many of you want to see and then you'll believe. God wants you to believe, then you will see. That's the way this thing works as we know about faith. You know, and I think that you need to, even in your disappointments and even in your discouragement, I think you need to learn by by the best you can to exercise your faith because that's when it needs to be exercised the most is when you you can't feel Him or you can't see Him or you can't perceive Him. Can you not at least, because you have believed, therefore you speak and you say that which you know to be true. I think sometimes that we we have a bad day. Things don't go well. Circumstances around us are not going good. I wonder if we speak as if we believe that God still loves us that God still cares for us, even though it might be contrary to the emotion that we might feel at that moment. He said, well, Brother Roger, I, I just can't say what I, what, what, I, what I don't feel. Really. If you're only going to speak according to your feelings, you're not going to speak very much Scripture and very much faith in the Lord. I was disappointed this week. For a moment, when I, I ran into a gentleman who has been in our, has attended our services a few times, and I was speaking with him and visiting with him for a bit, and one of the men's names in our church came up as far as he said he hesitated to ever talk to that gentleman. He said, because every time I talk to him, and I'm talking to you fellas, there's someone out there that has spoken to one of you, and each time that he speaks to you, he says, every time I talk to him, he said, he is so negative about life, and so negative about circumstances, and everything that's going on, it's always so doom and gloom and sad. He said, I don't like being around him, don't like talking to him. I would say that we all have moments like that. But it shouldn't be every time someone talks to us. Would you agree? What you have to ask yourself is, I know the guy's name. Is it you? Was it you he was talking about? If someone were to talk to you, a visitor, has they talked to you outside away from church and asked you about some things or just talked to you in general? What is your general disposition about God and about life? Is it only, are you only happy when you have happy circumstances? Or do you have faith in God when things are not going well? 
that God is still good even when things are not good. Hmm? Are, are you one of those guys that maybe like these, that maybe you've been disappointed and you feel like God has let you down when in reality there's a whole lot more going on behind the scene than these guys understand? Are you walking according to your own understanding rather than trusting the promises of God? Hey, it's all right to be disappointed once in a while. It's okay to be discouraged from time to time. But don't let that be your testimony. If a visitor would run into you this week at work or at Walmart or Home Depot or Academy, I don't know why it'd be sad if you was in Academy anyway. You ought, that ought to encourage you just walking in those doors. I get discouraged when I go into Walmart, but I don't ever get discouraged when I go into, into Academy. Especially if I have a gift card. But do you understand that surely if people bump into you, hey, listen, if your religion ain't working, why would they want it? Huh? If what you have ain't working, if it ain't doing a whole lot for you, why would they want it? You understand? So you need to be careful and understand that people are, are watching you a whole lot more than you think, and especially if they know where you go to church. Your testimony matters. It can impact the preaching. When an individual watches it or hears it or runs into the pastor, please be careful. And these guys here, listen, I'm going to say something. Even when you're disappointed, I want you to know that the Lord still loves you. He cares about you, but he also wants to try to help you if you'll let him help you. Number four, let's look at verse 17. I want you to notice their development, and that's what I'm interested in is your development. Verse 17, your development. Verse 17 says, And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are are sad? So the first words that Luke gives us out of the mouth of Jesus Christ after his resurrection is a probing question that forces these men to reveal what is going on inside of them. You know, answering questions sincerely and honestly exposes the good and the bad and the ugly in us. That's why a lot of us don't like anybody asking us questions. I had a preacher friend that used to joke around a lot. He'd say, ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. But if somebody were to ask you legitimately a question, would you be honest with them? I want you to notice here that when somebody does probe you, when the Lord probes you, and God, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Travis, was very, very good at asking questions. Even when people sometimes would ask him questions, he would answer the question with the question. And he would ask a question that would just kind of Man, it would just begin to probe and it would bring the truth to the surface. Did you know that a a good counselor and a wise teacher will ask good and probing questions? Did you know that some men and some women 
who need help and they know they need help and their mate knows that they need help. But they will not go to certain people whom God has put in their life to get help because they know that person will ask them some personal questions that will require them to answer what is really going on in their heart and in their mind and they do not want anybody to know what is really going on inside of their hearts and their minds. Did you know that a scorner, the Bible says a scorner, will not go unto the wise lest his heart discover itself. He doesn't go to the wise because the wise will ask him some questions or, uh, or and circumstances are going to... Anyway, he'll bring what's up and, and he doesn't want to see. He doesn't want to accept any responsibility for where he is at. He wants to blame others for everything that's going on. Well, I, I'm not going to talk to Brother Roger. I'm not going to sit down and talk to Brother Ed. I'm not going, those guys will just gang up on me. Why would we do that? we got fish to catch. we got grass to cut. Why would we want to gang up on you? we got better things to do. The only reason why that we would even have to sit and talk with you is because you need help and you've asked us for help and we want to help. If we go, if I go to the doctor with signs of cancer and the doctor says, you know what? I'm going to bring in one of my, my other doctors and we're going to talk to you about what's going on. Now, would I sit back and say, well, man, I don't, I don't know, man, two doctors. I don't know about this. No, that's not my attitude. I'd say, okay, the more the merrier. Hey, you know, in a mouth of multi, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. We heard a good message Wednesday night. Oh, can I receive correction? Excellent message. Can I receive correction? Can I receive reproof? And so what you're having here is, is that, is that the Lord Jesus is probing these men with questions. Let me ask you a question. Would you like to have Jesus as your pastor? Wouldn't that be wonderful to have Jesus as your pastor? Now, you've got some folks out there who think that if they had Jesus as their pastor, that everything would be a whole lot, what you might say, more worldly than it. Than, than it. In other words, Jesus never condemned anybody. Jesus never said anything negative. Jesus always made you feel good when you left. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. Now, Jesus can help you if you're looking for help. You understand? But there are some folks, there are some women who ask, Honey, would you go talk to the pastor? Would you go talk to Brother Ed? Would you go talk to some of the men of the church? You know, you really need help. Well, number one, she, he don't want to hear that. Even though he knows it's true. But do you understand that you are leaving the, the, there are no perfect counselors. There are no perfect men. There are no one that's perfect, but God has gifted men to be able to help you. If you want it. If you want it. But they may ask you some probing questions and a good counselor will ask the right questions. So if Jesus were your pastor, let's see how Jesus handled this. When they, when he asked them some questions, 
These men were open, they were honest, they were burdened, they were sad. But they're opening up their hearts. You know that's hard for a man to do? That's hard for a man to open up and to talk. Now I know all the talk shows we've got today makes it look like everybody wants to talk. But usually those people are getting paid and exploited. But for the average guy in this church, it's not easy for him to open up and talk about what's on the inside of him. These guys are opening up and talking to a stranger because their hearts are broken. And they're opening up and they said, hey, this is where we are. And so you want to get some help? Be honest. How, if I were your physician, how could I help you if you're lying to me about your symptoms? How can I help you if you won't answer me honestly? I got to go see the heart doctor Wednesday just for a checkup. I don't want to go. Because see, COVID-19 has put 19 pounds on me. Now, I don't want to go see the heart doctor because he's going to chew on me about it. And he's going to say, well, what happened to you? I'm going to say, it was all my wife's fault. (laughs) It was all the Baptist people. You understand, we we don't want to accept responsibility for where we are. We really don't. And we don't want somebody getting on to us for some of our bad choices. Well, here they are. If Jesus were your pastor, notice what Jesus did when he got through talking to him. And the Bible again says in chapter 24, you know, it, it really is kind of humorous a little bit, but it, it's, a, it's a serious situation. Verse 19, he said unto them, what things? They said, hey, don't you know what's come to pass? And he said, what things? In other words, they were asking him questions. But he said, no, let's keep the conversation going in the right direction. And sometimes when you're talking to people, they will try to divert the conversation. He said, no, let's talk about you. Where are you at? Let's get this on. And he says, what things? They began to open up their hearts. And then Jesus, being the best pastor that's ever walked on planet earth, notice, notice. Would you you even know how to measure a pastor biblically? Notice what he says here. Notice down in verse number 25. First of all, there was a rebuke. There was a rebuke. He says in verse 25, Then said he unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Now he has assessed them, and he says, Guys, you're being foolish, you're full of unbelief, and you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Now listen, it wasn't because Jesus Christ did not care about their pain. It's that he knew what the solution was to their pain. He did not stroke them and worry about their egos and their feelings because it was their feelings that got them in trouble. And sometimes we do not believe that there is a spiritual answer to our personal problems. And the scripture here says that Jesus rebuked them, verse 25. And we heard again a great message Wednesday night by Brother Ed on that subject. Can you be rebuked? Can you be corrected? After his assessment of listening to them, 
maybe if you saw Jesus walking beside them, you maybe you might have even seen him doing something like this. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can't believe that these guys can't believe. After all the years and the time that I put into these guys, and they still have a problem trusting me in his word. So, right then, Jesus could have said, Boom! Here I am. But he didn't. Why? Because he's not going to do that to you either. He's not going to appear to you. He is going to do what the pastor did right here. The Bible says that he went to the Scriptures. Oh, no, not back to the Bible again. You always think the Bible has the answer. Yeah, I do. I do. I do believe the Bible has the answer. You know, a lot of times guys want to talk about things, but they don't want to go to the Bible for any of the answers to those situations. All right, now look what he says. Look in verse number 24. Now remember now, they've been, they're walking for a couple of hours, so hey, give me a break. We're talking about a sermon that lasted a couple of hours here. <laughs> but I agree with you, they weren't sitting for a couple of hours. Amen? Now notice in verse number 20, look, look carefully here with me, verse 25. There was a rebuke. He said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You are slow in believing. And verse 26. Then there was a rhetorical question. He said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? You notice He did not use the term Jesus. He did not use the name Jesus. He used the term Christ. And that term Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the hope of Israel. Because he wanted them to believe and understand that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, the anointed one. He said, hey, so what does he do? Brother, if you were there, and remember now, he has no PowerPoint. He doesn't even have a book. They're just talking. They're walking and they're talking. He starts at Genesis. The one he says that he went to Moses, he's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. When they say that he went to Moses, he's referring to the law. He's referring to the first five books. He says, and he went through those books and showed how that they pointed to the Messiah and his purpose for coming. And then he went from there and he went to all the prophets. I think especially when he got to Isaiah, began to mention all the prophets, the minor prophets of where he would be born, when he would be born, how he'd be born, what would happen, how he would live, how he would die. And they did not want to see the part about where that he died and was raised again from the dead. They didn't want to see that. But he expounded the scriptures to them. Look what he says. Verse 27. So what is a pastor supposed to do? Well, sometimes he's supposed to rebuke you. Do you agree with that? And sometimes he may ask you a rhetorical question. In other words, you should obviously know the answer to that question. Ought not Christ? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? The conclusion of the Bible, don't you understand? And and, and the obvious answer is yes. Yes. And then in verse number 27... There was then a revealing of the Scriptures. The Pentateuch, the prophets, and later on, when he gets to the next group, he mentions the Psalms. 
So what does he do? The Bible says he's expounding the Scriptures. So when you come to church, what is it that you expect? If your pastor is going to be like Jesus, do you expect him to reprove and rebuke and exhort you? Do you expect him to open up the Scriptures themselves and take the painful time and go through the Scriptures line upon line and precept upon precept and teach what the Bible actually says. The Scripture says in the last days that people would become dull of hearing and they would get itchy ears. Please tell me something. In other words, they would rather have fast food rather than a meal. And sometimes when you come to church, actually the pastor is going to give you some groceries and for you to take home and make up some of your own meals to eat on during the week. Amen. So the scripture here says, look what he does. So if, if expounding the scriptures bore you or do not interest you, and yet you want to see the Lord, you're bypassing what he has chosen to use to help you to get to him. Because Jesus could have used anything, but he says, nope, this is it right here. This is what I want to emphasize. And verse 27 says, he expounded unto them all the scriptures. And they confessed in verse number 32. They said, hey, man, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, I don't understand this church, and I wish that I did. I really don't comprehend this. I don't know how much of the blame is mine, how much of it is yours, how much of it is something else. I don't know. I've been in some services when that I've heard a man speak, and man, my heart would be just connected to what was going on, and and then the Lord would just be doing something in my heart. And then there'll be times when that same guy may open up the Scriptures, and it just seems like there's not a whole lot there for me that day. But I knew I needed to be there, and I knew I needed to hear it. Just like sometimes I can remember some of the meals that Cindy fixed, but I don't remember all of them, but they all did me pretty good. Do you understand? Don't ask me what she fixed three weeks ago. I don't have an outline of the recipe. But I ate it, and it did me some good. But some meals were better than others. you understand? And that's just the way it is sometimes when you come to church as well. When you've got a teenager sometimes that's restless and used to looking at their phone four or five hours a day or watching videos and, and, they, and everything's changing every 20 seconds and then they come to church and they have to sit there and actually listen. And they're not seeing anything visually that's stimulating to them. And they're having to exercise with their ears and, and they get in the car and say, man, I, I sure am glad that's over with. You're not going to see the Lord like that. You're going to need Him. And you're going to want Him. But you're not going to see Him with that attitude. Now watch what happens here. Look at this passage. He expounded to them. He opened to them the Scriptures. And their solution was in the Scriptures. So whoever your counselor is, whoever your friend is you talk to, whoever it is that's impacting you, Are they using the Scriptures correctly? 
to help you and to encourage you. He showed him the scriptures, lots and lots and lots of scriptures about himself before he revealed himself because he wanted them to believe before they saw. Last thing. Notice their directional change and their dispositional change after he was through with them. As I told you, when the women went to the tomb and they heard this word from the angel, I said that the glad went to tell the sad what they saw and heard. Now, when Jesus got through with them and he appeared to them and then vanished, you have the same thing occurring, the glad now. They said, hey, listen, they told Jesus, that, hey, it's getting late. Come on in and eat a meal with us. It's getting late. You can hang here with us. It's getting, it's getting late in the day. But when they recognized that this was Jesus and he appeared to them for just a moment and then was gone, all of a sudden they were energized and ready to roll and they got back up and they started heading back to the house where they had left and the glad now are going back to tell the sad again that someone has seen the risen Christ. And I do believe that when we yield ourselves to the Lord, and I, and I hope and pray that when you come to church and God may reprove you, He may rebuke you, He may show you something in the Scriptures, but I hope and pray that your sad heart can be made glad a little bit at the house of God. Listen to me. Their ears affected their eyes. Their ears, their hearing affected their sight. Look at this in verse number 30. It came to pass, as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. Now this is a supernatural illumination event. You can be sitting in the pew The mystery of the preaching of the Word of God is like this. Of how that a man who knows nothing about your circumstances, but he takes the Bible and opens up the Scriptures, and God of heaven comes down and uses the Word of God and the man of God through the Spirit of God and will speak to your heart and will show you something that you need to see for that moment that will help you along the way. Man, I'll tell you, it is precious when that happens. And the Bible says here, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Jesus left them with what they needed. That was the truth and the understanding of the scriptures. And if anybody can help you understand your Bible, they are your friend, not your foe. And you don't need them like you think you do. You need the Bible that they gave you. And, if, and sometimes when you get to leaning too much upon a man or a woman, the Lord may remove them out of your life so that your faith will be in the Scriptures rather than upon that person. Jesus disappeared, but the Scriptures didn't. So here's what they did. The Bible says that they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked by the way and while he opened us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and return to Jerusalem, they changed their direction. They were heading away from there. Now they're heading back to there. 
I can't tell you how many times the Word of God has turned my life around. My attitude, around. My disposition, around. And made me from being sad to being glad. The Scripture have the power to do that. So they got up and they went, told the guys what happened. They're excited to tell them what is going on. I conclude this message this morning with just a few questions. Number one, what direction are you going? Are you going toward the Lord or away? Number two, what is it that continues to discourage you? And what are the circumstances that continually make your heart sad? And are you willing to listen to the answer from the Scriptures? Even if it means that you may be personally rebuked. Are you willing? And then I want you to understand too that I promise you the Lord is closer to you than you realize. And He is for you. He's not against you. But you are going to have to listen to Him and you're going to have to believe the Word of God. No pastor, no preacher anywhere can help you if you do not make the choice inside of you to believe the Scriptures. You believe the Word of God, it can change everything in your life. The direction, your decisions, your disposition. Many of us are facing the very same things, just different faces, different names. But some of us, are not sad because we believe. I pray that you'll answer these questions sincerely. Let's stand together, please. I'm going to ask my dear wife if she would to come to the piano. If the Lord has spoken to your heart today about some things, you can continue to go down the road to Emmaus away and stay sad, or you can listen to the Word of God, turn around and head back and be glad. Really, some of those choices are up to you. Father, I pray that the Holy Ghost would take the Word of God and help somebody today. May they embrace it and believe it and act upon it. May, Lord, even today someone might need to just bow their knee and say, Lord, I'm I'm sorry for being so slow of heart to believe. I'm ashamed. And please forgive me when you have sent correction my way and I've not reacted correctly. Lord, I do want to change. I do want to see you. I do want to know you. And Lord, I want to have a testimony when somebody's around me that they would want what I have instead of being disappointed. I pray God you'd be pleased today now at our people's response in Jesus' name.